We got a lot of carbon scoring here. Looks like you boys have seen a lot of action. Welcome back to Carbon Scoring, a podcast where we talk about Star Wars, uh, Star Wars in pop culture, Star Wars in our everyday lives, and specifically tonight uh, we're going to talk about Star Wars The Clone Wars Season 5. I'm here with my co-hosts, Aaron, One Vision Can Have Many Interpretations, Robertson, hello, and Ben, Choose your enemy wisely, as they may be your last hope. Mackie. Hey, hey. My name is Taylor. Fear is a malleable weapon, Davis. Because I forgot to say that earlier. (laughs) 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 How are you guys doing? Uh, What Star Wars news or pop culture stuff have you picked up on? Well, this just in. Chloe Zhao is supposed to be set to direct Kevin Feige's Star Wars films more than one Ooh, say all of that again who who's doing what now chloe zhao the person who directed the eternals film is going to direct kevin feige star wars film like well it said film but it doesn't know she i think she might be getting one of the old republic uh the high republic films okay and kevin feige is producing a star wars film yeah i guess so okay that's cool if they're going to put Feige in front of Star Wars, I'm not going to be mad. Because he put together a lot of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We have Kevin Feige and Kathleen Kennedy as the producers. Okay. No, I, I don't hate Feige as a producer. I feel like Feige makes sure there's good brand consistency and storytelling across the board. Yeah. When he improves the projects. You can't. You literally cannot do better consistency than the Marvel films. I mean, they're... We we live in a post MCU film culture now. Yeah, other studios are trying to replicate it, and you're seeing failure. So I'm really glad that Disney was like, "Hey, we've seen success here. Let's try to copy and paste." Yeah, that's great. I haven't seen the Eternals yet, but uh, I hope to soon. I didn't even realize they'd made that announcement. So thank you, Ben. <laughs> As of nine hours ago. Nice. I punched Star Wars into news, and all I got was... I got, like, one piece of interesting news and one piece of fluff aimed directly at me. Uh, The interesting news, unfortunately, was that the Rogue Squadron movie has been pushed back. It has. That's upsetting. All I saw was that it had been set for 2023, and it has now been pushed back to an unknown date. Probably in 2024. Yeah. That and the fluff aimed directly at me was literally an article called Eight Ways to Convince Yourself That It's Okay to Spend $800 on the New Lego At-At. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. That thing is $800. Yeah. It's huge. It's two feet tall. I'm not a Lego person at all, but this thing blows my mind. It's like 8,000 pieces or something like that. My wife let me get 
the UCS Falcon, and I got it used. I bought it uh, used off Facebook Marketplace, and I went and I met a man, and literally, like, we walked around it together, and I was like, yes, this does indeed appear to be the UCS Millennium Falcon. It's, like, two and a half feet long and, like, two feet wide. And he gave me, he, he not only gave me the whole thing, he gave me all of the original boxes, all of the original bags. Oh, wow. uh, and he had separately stored all of the individual extra pieces because Lego always tosses in maybe three to five extra pieces in each bag. He had those bagged up oh. and was like, I've even included these. So I got the whole thing, marveled at it, brought it home, decided that I wanted to build it myself, took it apart, disassembled it completely. And I have not put it back together yet. (laughs) (laughs) It's literally like a three foot by two foot Millennium Falcon. I have to designate a spot in my home to store it before I build that thing. I mean, that's fair. (laughs) I really enjoy the Star Wars Legos. For you listeners who are not as familiar with Lego... Uh, UCS stands for the Ultimate Collector Series. So, I mean, these things, if you couldn't tell by our description, are just Lego on steroids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They're intense. Um, if you are familiar with the classic Millennium Falcon toy from Kenner that came out in the 70s, you could put your action figures in it. The Lego Falcon is about that wide plus half, and then about the same dimensions lengthwise as well well length length and width i'm gonna cut all of this (laughs) if you're familiar with that kenner toy it's bigger than that Mm. but yeah so they've got that coming out which is great the uh rogue squadron movie has unfortunately been pushed back uh anything else going on did you guys uh talk about star wars at work at all or do anything like that there is a, there's nothing confirmed at this point, just a rumor, but there is a, a rumor flying around that they are talking about a Darth Maul animated series. Ooh. Okay. Which uh, I would love that. Darth Maul just so happens to feature very heavily right at the beginning of this season. Hmm. Darth Maul is in a really interesting spot right now in the pop culture. Well, not so much in the pop culture, but in Star Wars fandom, where we know the beginning of his story. We know the end of his story. We know some really interesting peaks in the middle of his career, but we don't have much information on what ties any of those events together. He pops up in Solo, he pops up in Rebels, he pops up in Clone Wars, and each time he's kind of doing his own shtick, vaguely related to his other appearances, but just slightly different, and I would really, I think I'd really appreciate a Maul-focused show that tells, that fills in all those blanks, tells us what he's been up to. It could be really cool. I, I would literally say that about any Star Wars character, though. <laughs> That's fair. If they were like, <laughs> we're giving an entire season spinoff to Captain Panaka, I'd be like, that sounds really interesting. And then I'd be down because I'd be down for literally any season of Star Wars at this point. <laughs> I would watch the crap out of a short show about Hondo Onaka. Oh, yeah. 
it could be interesting to see him show up in Boba Fett. Oh, yeah? I hope he does, personally, but... If there is anybody that survived the fall of the Empire, Hondo Anaka rode that out and is selling ATATs to the Rebels now. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He's the one who sold the super tanks to Luke. There you go. From the Clone Wars. What super tanks? The super tanks, they were introduced in Episode 3. They were talked about in the Star Wars Legends books. Um, about the Yuzin Vong invasion, and oh, Luke had okay. super tanks, and they were super unreliable, and they broke down, but they needed something like a heavy hitter, and the super tanks were that. Um, they were also used in Rogue One, that uh, Jyn Erso was being held in when they broke her out. Oh, yeah. okay, sure. It's as good a story as any. Mm-hmm. The entirety of my experience with the Legends material is that I read... The first Thrawn book, whatever that trilogy mm. is. And as far as I'm aware, that's like the first legend book. It's not Splinter of the Mind's Eye. I guess I've read that too. So my uh, my awareness of the legends material is Splinter of the Mind's Eye, which is what would have been Star Wars if A New Hope wasn't successful. And then mm. um, the first book in the Thrawn trilogy from like 91. I have almost, I've barely dipped a toe into Legends, so. I need to read Thrawn stuff. Honestly, I would love a series just about Thrawn. Well, they've done at least two more trilogies that are canon. One of them just ended, I think. I've, this is embarrassing. I've got the books. I haven't read them. Well, we're going to, I mean, Thrawn is going to have to feature heavily in the Ahsoka show. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Going to be a big part of that. For those of you that are like, why why is that? It's because when Ahsoka shows up in The Mandalorian, she openly talks about looking for Thrawn. So that's that's where that's heading. Which is also a piece from Star Wars Rebels, if you watch the Star Wars Rebels series. Indeed. He's an excellent villain in that show. Mm-hmm. While we're briefly on Thrawn, uh, and this is in the vaguest way bringing it back to Clone Wars, Thrawn's piece of music in rebels is so good i'm a person that will listen to tv and movie scores while i'm working and i'll pop thrawn's theme on sometimes because it's this like creepy slow moving organ piece and Mm. it just perfectly gets across his cold meticulous like thinking things through to the nth degree character and that is connected to clone wars because that piece of music is made by the same person who does the score for the clone wars Uh ah which brings us to the clone wars Tonight we are going to talk about Season 5. And our start with Season 5 starts with another excellent villain. Several. (laughs) Fact. Season 5 started in 2012, ended in 2013. Uh, Yeah, we, like Ben was saying, we we hit the ground running with some great villains. Season 5, Episode 1, Revival. Darth Maul and Savage Opress steal a fortune of Republic credits. Uh, I guess we're not even going to address the fact that the last time we saw Darth Maul and Savage Opress, they were in a cockpitless ship floating in space. But, hmm. 
They pull it off. Darth Maul and Savage Press steal a fortune of Republic credits and bribe a squad of pirates to take down a pirate stronghold run by Hondo Anaka. Obi-Wan and Jedi Master Adi Gallia intervene, but Savage kills Adi. Hondo ambushes the pirates and wins their loyalty back, while Obi-Wan fights Savage and Maul and cuts off Savage's left arm. <laughs> Uh, the, <laughs> this is written by like an eight-year-old. <laughs> yeah. The brothers flee to their ship under fire from Hondo and the pirates, but are forced to board an escape pod as the ship is damaged. Obi-Wan returns to Coruscant, where the Chancellor informs him that the brothers are of no importance compared to the Separatists, and no further action should be taken against them. That is the episode synopsis. This was a really good episode because you immediately get two big fights for mm-hmm. Maul. So if you're trying to think back, all of these Dathomiris of Brock, they have the horns on them like Darth Maul had. And Savage just has even bigger ones being a bigger guy and actually mm-hmm. kills Adi Gallia by headbutting her and stabbing her in the stomach. I had forgotten that. I thought Adi Gallia was killed by Grievous, but I guess I was wrong. Yeah, no. She she gets about eight or ten little puncture wounds from that and goes down. Yeah, that would not be fun. Obi-Wan fights smart. You know, he's got these two big guys with their two big double-bladed swords. So he gets them in a tiny hallway where they can't move around as much. And I think he kicks Savage in the knee and notices that it kind of registers. So he does it like six more times until Savage's leg just goes out from under him, which I really appreciated. Well, because that's the same knee that Adi Gallia kicked. Right. Earlier in that fight. And Obi-Wan picks up Adi Gallia's blade to fight Maul and Savage. This is like Obi-Wan pissed. Yes. This is probably... The, the most aggressive we see him fight in this whole series. I mean, it's Darth Maul. Darth Maul's back, and Darth Maul is the Sith who started everything. Darth Maul is the one who killed Qui-Gon. And, you know, that's, that's emotional. Obi-Wan thought that he had halved the man, and that was that. And suddenly he's back, and he's killing people, and specifically targeting Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. Well, the interesting thing, uh, when he cuts off Savage's arm, Savage is leaking Night Sister magic. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. We see that come up again, but we'll get into that next time. <laughs> I like that it mentions how the episode ends, which is Chancellor Palpatine is like, Oh, those two silly Sith boys aren't important. Don't spend any more resources on them. In fact, everyone stop looking for them. No one go to that part of the galaxy. Get my ship ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, Ah, oh, they're not important at all. I'll handle that with some paperwork or something. Staple, 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 staple. <laughs> He gets stapled, all right. Oh, but that's not till next season. Mm. So the next part, uh, the next couple of episodes are a four-parter. The, uh, would you call them the Onderon arc, I guess? I yeah. would. I'd cool. do that. That makes sense. You have a war on two fronts, front runners, the soft war, and tipping points. Is this the one with Saw Gerrera? It sure is. Mm-hmm. 
Hell yeah. Okay, I remember this. It's great that Rogue One brought in a character that already existed, and Forrest Whitaker taking a character that already existed as a young man entering the world and showing us what the end of that character's life looked like. Just so masterfully done. So, so, so good. Um, and it's cool that we have those connections. There's a character here introduced in Clone Wars Season 5 that that becomes a big part of Rogue One and a big part of the Star Wars story as that goes. But we start with a war on two fronts. On the Separatist world of Onderon, a group of rebels call for the assistance of the Jedi. Ahsoka, Anakin, Rex, and Obi-Wan go to train the rebels to fight and see that former Separatist and Ahsoka Tano love interest Lux Monteri is among them, as Andron is his homeworld. End of synopsis. <laughs> this just basically takes us into uh, an arc that explores... Um, I don't know exactly what word to use in real-world terms, but, like, military... Not interventionalism, but, like the American troops training Afghan troops to fight their own fights and being like, we're just here to train. We're not actually here to fight this war. That's what these episodes get into because the Jedi are like, look, we'll help you fight the separatists because we want that to happen, but we can't show our hands. We can't have the Republic actually being a presence here. Yeah. Yeah, the official stance of the Onderanian government because the current king is backed by Dooku and he's a puppet and all that fun stuff. It does not want the Republic there. These guys who are fighting the Separatists are rebels, a common theme for Saw Gerrera. He gets an early start. So since the government itself doesn't want them there, they can't, without it becoming a full-on invasion, like you said, they can't make it known that the Republic is here helping these rebels out. So yeah, this whole first 22-minute episode is just that. Yeah. This one's really just a training montage. Yeah, it basically for is. For the most part. One big piece of 80s music going over. <laughs> Punching <laughs> stuff, throwing stuff, stabbing stuff with spears. He's rolling. a maniac, I think... maniac. <laughs> um, I think this is the bit of Star Wars media that gives us the point that blaster bolts will bounce off of star destroyers and droidica shields but if you roll a uh, grenade into their their shield softly it will go through because star wars shield physics yeah that's one of the key points and then they're demonstrating that saw is too hot-headed by having him be really bad at doing that because he keeps throwing it too fast <laughs> The next episode is Front Runners. Ahsoka Tano now leading the rebels on Andron. <laughs> Great job in staying out of the fray, Ahsoka. Um, Ahsoka Tano now leading the rebels on Andron, but forbidden to fight, puts their training to use by having them hijack an AAT and blow up the main power station for the capital city of Andron so that the rebels can wreak havoc. This is an interesting one. I mean, that synopsis really... That's what happens in the episode. Yeah. But there's kind of a culture war that's happening alongside. Like, you get a lot of the people of Onderon hearing positive things about the rebels and, and the 
government talking, calling them terrorists and all of this kind of stuff. There's a lot of nuance in the background of it that's fun to watch, I think, personally. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I don't know if it's this episode or later. I think it might be the next episode or two. But it shows the rebels gaining strength and like meeting in back dark rooms and stuff like that. And, and walking through you know crowds and stuff. I, I think it's interesting, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like passing out propaganda pamphlets subtly and that kind of thing. I think that is yeah. technically the next episode, but it's you know, when you get into these, it's a four episode run. It's a little hard to distinguish. Oh, was this here? Was this there? <laughs> From memory, we'll bring up at this point that at some point we do intend to come all the way back around and hit the Clone Wars episode for episode, but that's going to be after we talk about at least all of the movies. Yeah. Yeah, well, it'll be a while before we get to that. But, clearly in episode three, they steal one of those weird slope hammerhead droid tanks and mm-hmm. blow up a power plant. Yeah, power plant to the uh, capital city of the planet. So, uh, the next episode is The Soft War. Sanjay Rash, Onderon's puppet king, accuses Ramses Dendup, the deposed king, of inciting the rebellion against his rule and orders his execution. After an ill-concocted solo effort by Saw Gerrera to rescue Dendup, Stila, Lux Bonteri, and Ahsoka, with no help from the Republic, devise a plan to retrieve the king from the palace. I think that's supposed to be devises a plan to retrieve the king from the palace. The plan fails, but as Dendup is about to be executed, the rebels are saved by General Tandon, and the Onderanian militia, whom Saw has managed to sway to their side. Now knowing the Jedi's involvement, Dooku grows impatient with his underlings. Which, what part of that is new? (laughs) The entire Clone War is just Palpatine drumming his fingers together, going, all is according to plan, and Dooku Mm -hmm. looking at the staff of clowns that he has leading his army, going... (laughs) Are you sure? I mean, we're doing pretty good, but boy, Grievous is getting on my nerves. Can I kill him, please? <laughs> Have you seen how many droids he's killed? It's unreasonable. Dooku is like, my boss is so smart. This is going to go so well for me. And then that is so excellently portrayed on Christopher Lee's face when Anakin has his lightsabers to his throat. Yeah. That complete shock and like... It's not just, I'm being betrayed, it's, oh no, I'm being betrayed, and it has literally always been part of the plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he instantly knows this isn't a, a decision that Sidious just made. The Ralph Wiggum quote, I'm in danger! <laughs> <laughs> good, Anakin, good! <laughs> Kill him. Kill him now. I shouldn't. Do it. (laughs) I'm in danger! Yeah, that's, 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 that's something we'll get to when we get to Revenge of the Sith, though, which is starting to come up. We're only two Mm -hmm. seasons away, and then we're going to get right into Revenge of the Sith. But, uh... That's true. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, this episode I've watched kind of recently, actually. I'm going to say within the last six months. Uh, my One of my roommates is... Well, I say that like I have more than one roommate. I have a wife and a roommate. So uh, my roommate, <laughs> who lives in my house... Uh, and I'm not talking about my daughter. I don't call my daughter my roommate either. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, my roommate, who rents a room from me in my home... Uh, is is watching the Clone Wars, and he, I think, was on this episode kind of recently, and I sat in with him and was like, oh, yeah. And uh, this this episode almost has a lot of Game of Thrones vibes. It's got, um, it's got some stuff going back and forth between, like, the puppet king, who is completely loyal to the Separatists, and then the old king, who the people clearly love, who's who's trying to help the people still, but trying not to be seen doing it. Uh, there's there's some good political intrigue in these episodes, and you get to see the uh, uh, the seeds that the rebels planted in the last episode come to bloom when the military switches sides. Hmm. Yeah, you get a good setup payoff from that. I remember the scene is intense where they think that they're gonna decapitate the king because they've got like a big. If I'm remembering this correctly, they've got like a big guillotine like a Star Warsy guillotine type thing, but I, I could be wrong on that. I mean, it's definitely, it's, it's a, a ratio public middle of the town it, square. Yeah. It's a red ratio. If I remember correctly, like we see block uh-huh. Obi-Wan from getting to Qui-Gon and it like turns on and their head falls off and they turn it off. That was, that's the tool that they're going to use. I don't remember if that's what we end up seeing happening. But. Seems worse with a, get a guillotine for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Filoni's just like, hey, uh, you remember how they had the ray shields in episode one? What if we uh, had a public execution with one? What do you guys think? Dave, that seems like a bad idea. I, I don't think we're going to do that. Beep, 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 beep. Uh, yeah, George, they don't like my idea. Hey, George Lucas wants to talk to you real quick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, yeah, I can see that happening. Um, yeah. So, so from this episode there, uh, we move forward to, uh, Tipping Points, which is the final episode in this four-part arc, bringing us into the fifth season. And it is Tipping Points. The rebels on Andron struggle to reclaim their home planet. After the Republic and the High Jedi Council refuse to give Ahsoka Tano and the rebels assistance... Anakin Skywalker persuades Hondo Onaka to supply illegal rocket launchers to the Rebels to combat the Separatists' new gunships. The Rebels succeed in taking back Andron, but Stila is killed in a fall during the battle. With Andron lost to him, Dooku executes Sanjay Rash and has his forces depart the planet. So yeah, we didn't really talk about Stila much yet, but Stila is introduced as Sagarira's sister. And um, she is kind of the calm to balance out Saw Gerrera's lack of calm. <laughs> and uh, she, there's this long and intense, like, uh, grab my hand, I can't reach your hand, back and forth. And she ends up falling off a cliff. Um, and that is the last time we see Saw Gerrera with a bit of chill. He has no more calm after that. Well, and it's it's fundamental to his character that it was his fault she was out in this exposed position in the first place. Mm. 
there's a big fight going on. The rebels were attacking the separatists. Saw got hot-headed again, had overextended his position, and she was moving up to try and help him. And that's what put her in this precarious spot where she was even able to fall from. Yeah. But he doesn't learn from that at all. <laughs> he takes that and goes in the exact opposite direction with it. And was like, nope, nope, now I'm definitely just going to blow up everything. No more questions. <laughs> no more questions. It's all the Empire's fault. They did it. It's all their fault. So where do we... We're, we're, we don't see Sagarira for the rest of this season, but where do we see Sagarira from here? I know he pops up in Rebels. Does he pop up in... He pops up in Rebels, he pops up in Jedi Fallen Order, and then we obviously see him in Rogue One. Have we seen him We also else? see him briefly in Bad Batch. Is he in oh, there? Yeah. I couldn't remember. One of the first, I don't know if Saw himself pops up, but the first mission they go on for the Empire is dealing with these Onderanian rebels. That's right. It's the same militia group. Oh, and it goes mm-hmm. so poorly. Yeah, because that's where we've got Hunter. We won't go into spoiler territory, but yeah, we see Sagrera and his group again, and just further evidence of why Sagrera ends up being the way he is in Rogue One. Yeah. Well, we move forward from there. We have a four-parter that I, I is one of my favorites because it opens up with uh, how the Jedi get their their kyber crystals and how they have their lightsaber colors and all of that as far as i'm aware at this point in time i don't think we had had much conversation about kyber crystals in the main canon yet no oh wait a minute there is something i wanted to say here exactly here so tipping points that the last episode of that uh, that previous arc came out on October 27th, 2012. The Gathering, the episode we're about to talk about, came out on November 3rd, 2012. On October 30th, 2012, word went out through the culture that Star Wars had been sold to Disney by George Lucas for $4 billion. (laughs) It was chaos because they were like, well, is Disney going to keep making Clone Wars? Because Disney announced that they were going, they were like putting up the brakes on all projects. Disney pretty much like overnight immediately gutted all of the video game divisions under, uh, that Lucas had made and, and, uh, that Clone Wars ended up getting canceled and only through like fan outcry that it eventually come back. So I just wanted to bring that up because uh, culture-wise, in Star Wars, that was a day that happened. I remember where I was, and uh, we that was the day that we found out there was more Star Wars coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, Disney bought Star Wars, so that means that Episode Seven is coming. We're going to see that happen, and it was a very happy day for me. But it was a very sad day for a lot of people because Clone Wars got canceled. Mm-hmm. So, that's just a... a sidetrack a bump in the road i mean in all honesty we didn't need another game from ea that tanked yeah <laughs> well that, that wasn't that wasn't ea yet that was lucas arts no i think ea had the contract at that point because ea had like the contract rights to a lot of the games and i they don't were think so with lucas arts 
I think that was Disney. I think EA came along with Disney because LucasArts was its own thing doing stuff with for George. And then Disney bought it and EA was like, hmm, let's have a bit of that Star Wars pie, please. Oh, in 2013. Oh, okay. So this is so this is why we saw less of good Star Wars games because Disney was just like, "We'll just give it to EA. No big deal, right?" Yeah, that's what happened. They're a big studio. They know what they're doing. God. Well, luckily that contract is now broken. I'm very happy about that because they didn't fulfill their uh, the, their end of the contract. Apparently, well, they got sued off the planet for Battlefront Two. <laughs> We should we should have an entire episode focused specifically on Star Wars games. We could probably talk for hours about that. That would be a good one. Cool. Maybe maybe we'll let's let's do this. We'll finish up Clone Wars. We'll talk about episode three and then we could do a game episode and we can have the listeners vote on if after episode three they want to hear us talk about solo or if uh rogue one or go straight into a new hope or talk about rebels we'll we'll have a vote for that and we'll talk about video games at that point sure okay i love it are we going to do the entire history of video games no 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 i mean we we're not going to do a clone wars deep dive on the every star wars game ever made i'm saying like let's all talk about like pick out three two or three video games that we really love to talk about those throw some credit where credit's due to some of the bigger games that sort of thing yeah okay yeah all right listeners you heard it here first uh we're gonna finish up the clone wars episodes we're gonna cover revenge of the sith and then we're gonna do a video game episode uh and at that time we're gonna have you vote on where the podcast goes after revenge of the sith see you there yeah (laughs) so anyway back to where we were coming back from october 30th 2012 the gathering ahsoka and yoda take a group of younglings to a cave on ilum to perform a jedi rite of passage called the gathering where they will each have to face an internal fear or flaw in order to retrieve a kyber crystal so they can begin building their own lightsabers this episode is cool. I liked this episode a lot. I agree. Hey, Disney, if you're listening, make this a thing at Disney World. Oh, I will pay cool. you Ooh. all my monies. All of them. I thought you were going to say, hey, give me a show about these kids. And I was going to counter that we already know how that show ends. And I don't think I want to watch <laughs> it. <laughs> Master Skywalker. <laughs> Master yeah. Skywalker, there are too many of them. But, for the time being, for these four episodes, we get to watch these adorable little kid Jedi. There's a Wookiee, there's an Itharian. It's a fun little group. Yeah. They they get to Ilum, the, the door is like frozen shut, and they're like, Yoda, what do we do? We get that peak... Empire Strikes Back Yoda, who's like, <laughs> problem you have. Figure it out on your own, you do. <laughs> Yoda at this point is like, I know what's going on. I'm checking out. Bye. Yeah, Yoda's like, I'm literally the figurehead of an entire galaxy war. I'm going to take a day off, take some kids out to the, the Kyber Crystal farm. <laughs> 
and openly mock them when they try to solve problems. It's peak Yoda. He's having a great time. (laughs) I think he makes whatever excuse he can to get down and teach younglings whatever they're like. He just walks in and tells the teacher, all right, you you can go. I'm going to teach this one because this is what he loves doing. He doesn't want to be a general. Exactly. This episode's great. This episode is the beginning of a four-parter, but it 100% stands on its own. Um, We see this group of younglings go from start to finish, get their lightsaber crystals in this cave. There's a fun arc where, like, one of them has to learn to get over himself uh, and help his friends. The other, I I think the Wookiee has, like, a fear of deep water, which, me too, buddy, I'm right there with you. And I... I don't remember the other ones, but they all have to face their own individual fears to get their individual Kyber crystal. And there's a joke online that I've seen that I really enjoy. I think Aaron, you might have sent it to me. But does every time Anakin lose a lightsaber, does Anakin, adult Jedi Anakin, have to go on one of these kitty missions to Ilum? And it's like <laughs> Anakin sitting next to six children. And they all go into the cave together to go get their crystals. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my gosh. So that episode is great. It it moves on. Uh, the next episode is a test of strength. While returning to Coruscant with their lightsaber crystals, the younglings are attacked by Hondo, who wants to steal their crystals and sell them. Ahsoka must defend the younglings from the pirates. This is one of those episodes where we get the full spectrum of hondo because we have previously seen hondo helping out the good guys air quotes that uh we want to see helped out in this episode hondo shows up and is like hey maybe some children die whatever i'm gonna steal some fancy space rocks (laughs) and it's like hondo stop (laughs) she's gonna rob a bunch of kids yeah yeah it's like taking candy from babies but then we leave the babies in a spaceship with no power, and then we just leave. <laughs> I don't remember if it's in the previous episode or if it's in this episode, but I think it's at least in the beginning of this episode. Uh, we have a, a droid whose sole purpose is this trip, the gathering. He comes with the younglings who have their uh, new kyber crystals. He teaches them how to make lightsabers. He shows them all of the parts they could ever need, and he assists them as they build them. And he is played by David Tennant. The doctor himself. Mm -hmm. This episode, at least the beginning part of this episode, where you are going through with uh, Huyang, is the droid's name, and the children, and you get a really nice chunk of like force jedi lore we've never seen someone build their own lightsaber before when luke does his in the original trilogy it's all off screen Mm -hmm. i I don't know i really enjoyed this episode not just because i love david tennant and everything he does but (laughs) yeah no it's it's really neat to see this kind of thing and he this droid is like 900 years old so he's been doing this for generations of Jedi now. He even comments to the Wookiee that they have, like, a piece of bark from one of the sacred trees of his planet that he can make his hilt from. Mm-hmm. All kinds of stuff. And he does. It's great. The Wookiee has a wood lightsaber. I love it. Um, this episode features a line that the David Tennant droid 
<laughs> I'm, I, I know he has a name. They're being attacked by Hondo, and the droid says, Unhand me, brigand! <laughs> and that is when Aaron and I started playing um, Squadrons. I was watching this episode, and he was like, we have to have a squadron name. We can't be Green Squadron or Red Squadron. We need our own. And I watched this episode, and I came up with Brigand Squadron. Is that where you got that? That is where I got that. (laughs) I was watching this episode. Hondo grabs the David Tennant droid, and he goes, unhand me, Brigand. And I was like, great, done, sold, put it in the books. I loved that name without even knowing that story. I love it even more now. <laughs> um, I remember that this episode ends with a tube between the two ships where they're like throwing all the treasure through it and it gets punctured. So it's just sucking out into space and Ahsoka gets sucked into it. Mm. The episode ends with Ahsoka saving all of the children, but Ahsoka is on the pirate's ship with Hondo and <laughs> Hondo is like, all right, we got a Jedi to sell. Great. Business is good. Freaking Hondo, man. The uh, next episode is Bound for Rescue. Uh, With Ahsoka captured by Hondo, the younglings go to Florum to rescue her against the wishes of Obi-Wan Kenobi. However, before Obi-Wan can help the younglings, he is attacked by General Grievous and defeated, but nearly kills the droid general by setting the self-destruct on the negotiator, allowing his escape. The younglings succeeded in infiltrating Hondo's lair, but end up as prisoners themselves. They find disguises, and they sell themselves off as, like, a circus act. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because Hondo yeah. and his pirates are celebrating the the huge haul they just got. And they're doing, like, acrobatics and stuff like that. Because, you know, they're, they're younglings. They're not incredible force wielders, but they still have the force. It's kind of a fun little scene. I, it makes me think, like, poor Obi-Wan. Just literally no one listens to him. He does everything by the books. He 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 follows the Jedi code. He has a master who's like, "Don't worry about the Jedi code." Obi Wan's like, "No, I want to. I want to care about it. I want to care about the rules. I'm on the Jedi Council now." He gets Anakin, doesn't listen to him. He gets Ahsoka, doesn't listen to him. These children, stay put. Let us come rescue you. Doesn't listen to him, even when he's dead. Luke, you're not ready to fight Darth Vader on Cloud City. Do not go. <laughs> doesn't listen to him. <laughs> That's why... Oh, he really doesn't ever get a break. (laughs) That's why Ghost Obi-Wan ends up getting tired and sits down on a log. It's because because even dead, he's like, I can't catch a break with these people. I mean, did he listen to Qui-Gon that much? I think so. He did for as as best he could. As best he could. But even, even in The Phantom Menace, like right near the beginning, he's like, if you just did it their way you'd be on the council <laughs> mm-hmm. then qui-gon takes a huge hit of a blunt he's like nah man this guy is square <laughs> flips it at him <laughs> Doink. <laughs> but we got way off the track of this episode we did we did we did we did can i just point out before we go into a necessary bond that Obi-Wan is unable to defeat Grievous and unable to kill him by blowing up his entire Venator-class cruiser when just to kick back to last season. Grievous got beat by a handful of Gungans with taser sticks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I, I can't believe, <laughs> I love that episode, but 
I guess they just had to put something in because they keep talking about what great warriors Gungans are, and then the only one we ever see mm-hmm. is Jar Jar. So like, yeah, we got to do something anyway. I uh, I think this is the one where, as Grievous is escaping, he promotes a battle droid to like head of the entire ship and he's like you're in charge and that battle droid oh yeah down in the command chair and he's like and then he runs out of the room yeah and he's like okay well things are gonna start to be a little different around here and then the ship just explodes (laughs) (laughs) the comedic relief of the b1s is one of my favorite things in this series yeah i i uh when i play battlefront 2 i try to play the character's as I, I try to involve as much Star Wars lore as I can in the way I play the characters sometimes, which I'm sure is not appreciated by the teenagers that are just like teabagging me. But um, <laughs> <laughs> when I'm playing Grievous, uh, he's got that little spider move that he pulls at Obi-Wan where he runs really fast and he can do that for an extended period of time. And I love to get into the fray, get into the fight, hit a couple people, kill a couple people, and then just bye. Just <laughs> General Grievous scuttles across to the other side of the map to safety because that is so core to who he is in every in his one film appearance. He runs to a escape pod and clicks his fingers together and is like, <laughs> escape pod, bye bye, and pulls the lever. He is a coward. A lot of bravado. But at the end of the day, I mean, just throughout this show. We see his capital ship get blown up like eight times and he gets yeah. off yeah. it every time because the ship hasn't even started exploding yet. But he's like, oh, that, that's not good. We're going to lose. I got to go. Sir, there's a Republic Venator on our scopes. Ready my escape pod. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I'm going to throw out for this next one that so far we've had moderate to good success reading these episode breakdowns that we have found on this link but uh this This is is so bad this is an ugly looking sentence (laughs) oh boy okay let him have it okay this is this is all one sentence and it's got like three commas in it and it just starts off bad but here you go episode nine a necessary bond to revenge himself on Hondo for his past capture, Count Dooku has General Grievous attack the pirate's lair on Florum, so Ahsoka and Hondo must join forces in order to survive this encounter. It's just the expositionary tone of a wet log. Dooku doesn't get captured in this one. No. No, he already had that happen, and he has been upset about it for a while. This is his response to that. Okay. And of course, Hondo ends up getting away, and we see more of him later on, but, I mean, a whole couple of droid battalions shows up and starts shooting at pirates who are hung over from the night before. Oh, but we also see a fire spray class ship in this episode. We do, don't we? We do. Is Boba here? No. It's just the pirates have a fire spray That's... class fighter well the fire spray is is boba's ship though right no i thought that was the the ship classification of what yeah. it was boba has a fire spray model ship but not the only one. so my understanding is that he does have the only one and that if i remember correctly boba has lost this the the fire spray to 
Hondo at this point. And oh. it's currently in Hondo's possession. And this is where it gets the green and red paint scheme. Hondo was oh. like, I'm done with this blue, white, and yellow. And Hondo paints it green and red. Because this is one of the last times we see Boba in Clone Wars. Because uh, they end up pulling a whole thing later on. We'll get to it. Where the wing gets knocked off. And it just flies off into the sunset and crashes. Mm. Hmm. That's that's my understanding. So, like, I'm excited for the Book of Boba Fett. I'm excited for the Book of Boba Fett to tell us about stuff moving forward. But I really want some connections back in this era. Like, I want some references to Clone Wars with Boba Fett. I want to know what was going on in everything that we don't see on screen from this era. Oh, I'm sure we'll get some of that. I don't know if it'll be flashbacks or full episodes, but... Dave Filoni will be working on that project along with everyone else. He's going to want to get in as much of this as he can get away with. That's true. So moving forward from there, we have episode 10, Secret Weapons. R2-D2 is part of a team of Republic droids chosen for an important mission led by the diminutive Colonel Mieber Gascon to obtain an encryption module from a Separatist dreadnought. The droids must overcome numerous challenging obstacles to succeed in this crucial assignment. Your first obstacle, a flight of stairs. <laughs> <laughs> this is a four-parter. This is commonly a lot of people's least favorite arc in Clone Wars. It is just the droids and uh, a little plankton from SpongeBob General. And, um, <laughs> it, it is. It, I will very much agree that this could have been one episode, maybe two, but it's not. It's a full four episodes. It's also worth mentioning that the title card, we last mentioned the title card turning red for the Darth Maul reappearance. For this, the episode's title card is a light blue instead of the yellow, and that's in reference to R2-D2 being in this episode and having an entire episode about droids. Hmm. From what I remember from some uh, special features, <laughs> George Lucas loved this. The, this was oh, I'm sure George. He did. George was like, the droids have an entire thing. They go off. They do their own thing. That's George loved this. What we do get out of this episode is uh, a good look at Republic clone commandos. Mm-hmm. because we haven't really, we know they exist, but we haven't really seen them at all. And yeah, I am skipping ahead to, into the third episode of this arc, but eh, they're honestly yeah, pretty forgettable, <laughs> except for clone commando Gregor, who has been stranded on this planet that is separatist controlled, but doesn't remember who he is. And we get to see Gregor come back up a couple more times. Was Gregor one of the characters in the Clone Commandos Star Wars game? I don't think so. I don't think so. That dealt with a specific squad. But we do see him uh, briefly in Bad Batch, and he is one of the three clone troopers that we see come back in Rebels, along with Wolf and Rex. And he is batty. Yeah, I mean, when we meet him, he's already got amnesia. So yeah, his mental state is, <laughs> let's say, questionable at best. Um, one of, I remember one one of the only other things I remember from this 
time that is like three episodes long of them wandering this purgatory desert scape of just salty nothingness i remember at one point they do come across a crashed spaceship and there is a skeleton in it that appears to be like the 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 skeleton that is in that ship appears to be like rabbit like and people were pushing twitter for an answer on if this was a um so back when Marvel started producing the Star Wars comics in like 77, once they finished the movie stuff, they had to keep going. They introduced a rabbit like character called Jackson, J-A-X-X-O-N, who is this sort of Bugs Bunny looking Star Wars character. <laughs> and um, they believe Gosh. that this this he was he was not liked. He <laughs> apparently he is is not a character looked back on fondly. So can't imagine why there was a sort of Easter egg in this episode that the crashed desolated ship that they find is, (laughs) has his skeleton inside. Oh gosh. (laughs) I I have no idea. I've never heard of this character before now and I have no opinions on him, but I just, I kind of hope that's true just for the story. I think as far as I'm aware, it got to a point where like, Twitter got a hold of like the the one of the digital assets creators and was like, "Is that Jackson?" And they were like, "Listen, stop asking me questions that the higher ups will notice. <laughs> <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny. Please let me just continue to have my job." <laughs> oh no! Don't let the fandom get you. Uh, we're we're talking about events in episode eleven and episode twelve. Episode eleven is a sunny day in the void. Uh, after their ship crashes on a desolate planet, D Squad or Droid Squad and Colonel Gascon must find a way off planet to get back to Coruscant or be stranded forever. We've talked about all of the highlights of that episode already. Episode twelve, missing in action. Colonel Gascon and D Squad discover that Abafar. The planet they are trapped on is Separatist controlled, but they also discover a Republic clone commando named Gregor, who has been stranded on the planet as well. They must work together to get off the planet safely. Yeah, when we when we meet Gregor, he's like the busboy for a restaurant in this little kind of mining town that they get to. And Colonel Gascon, was that his name? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Colonel Colonel Gascon is like you are a Republic clone. I think he's trying to determine whether or not this is an AWOL soldier or mm. someone who has no knowledge of who he is, which is what Gregor ends up being. And this episode ends with Gregor kind of buying them time and a focus from the enemy so that they can fly out. And it's kind of implied that Gregor doesn't make it because he ends up going out in kind of a big firefight with ridiculous odds and we don't see him again in the clone wars but you have to remember that he's a clone commando this is what he was made for and uh he makes it he ends up being shown again in rebels so we know he pulls out of there okay other than meeting gregor these all four of these episodes you can just skip in my opinion I like the R5 droid, and the R5 droid really, uh, aside from sometimes sitting on top of a Y-wing and other times blowing its motivator, uh, we don't get a lot of R5s doing stuff. 
and uh, there's an R5 in this this arc, and I am glad to see him there. And that's that's some of the highest praise I can give <laughs> this string of episodes. <laughs> um, it ends with episode 13, Point of No Return. After believing themselves safe, Colonel Gascon and D-Squad discover that they are prisoners of the Separatists in a captured Republic cruiser, finding themselves enmeshed in thwarting a plot to destroy a Republic space station holding a strategic conference. That's right. They end up flying off of this planet and they fly up to a Republic cruiser and they're like, oh my gosh, we're so glad to be on this Republic cruiser. Turns out it's a a stolen Republic cruiser that the droids have filled and are going to ram into a space station. I think a medical station that is full of like Jedi and senators for like a, a conference on the war. Yeah. The interesting part is R2's like, hey, this whole ship's a bomb. And the general's like, you can't make a whole ship a bomb. And then they start raising all like the doors um, in the uh, docking base for the ships. And they're just chocked full of like blast material. I, I want to say it's Rhydonium, but it might they might not have come up with Rhydonium yet. I know Rhydonium comes up in, in Rebels, and it also comes up in The Mandalorian. It might be here this early. This might be the episode where you first see it, because when you first see this ship blow up, it's uh, it's quite the display. Yes, it is Rhydonium. Okay, cool. He goes, there must be enough Rhydonium in here to blow up an entire Republic fleet. There you go. Yeah, Rhydonium is the Star Wars nitroglycerin. Big boom. Um, and they do it. They pull it off. The ship does not run into everyone and everyone is not killed good point of clarification there it's like who who pulls it off (laughs) yeah (laughs) so that is that is everything we can say for the d squad arc we give it a d yep a we move forward then finally back to some darth maul and some savage press this next arc is some of the best episodes that we've probably seen so far like oh for sure because we go back to mandalore death watch is back and it's ah i'm so excited to talk about it (laughs) (laughs) well let's get into it let's talk about it episode 14 eminence darth maul and savage press form an alliance with the mandalorian terrorist group death watch and several crime syndicates including the black sun the pike syndicate and the hut cartel in order to take over Mandalore and defeat Obi-Wan Kenobi. Hello there. This is really cool because we've heard of all of these crime syndicates before, uh, but really with the exception of the Huts, we haven't seen much out of any of them. And we start to see the leadership of the Pikes and the Black Sun get involved in the story. Yeah. The, um, the Pikes come back up in Solo. The Black Sun, if I'm not mistaken, are uh, based off of the criminal organization from some Legends material. Shadow of the Empire, I believe. And yeah, this is where we start to see Darth Maul basically gets his mind back, gets gets back to the ground and is like, all right, criminal empire, here we go. <laughs> and he does it pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. We see Maul being ruthless and cunning and just kind of like, I want it all and I'm coming for you, Palpatine. 
yeah. And oh boy, is is it good when Palpatine and, and when Maul makes his way back to Palpatine. But we're not quite there yet. We're not. But in the meantime, can we go to Shades of Reason? I was going to say, let's go ahead and start to get there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, episode 15, Shades of Reason. Maul's alliance helps the Death Watch and their leader, Pre Vizsla, conquer Mandalore and imprison Duchess Satine. But Vizsla's ambitions surface and he betrays Maul, who later challenges him to a doodle. After killing Vizsla, Maul assumes control over a majority of the Death Watch. What a good fight that was. It's such a good fight. And it brings about some of the coolest freaking armor that the Mandalorians get. The new Death Watch. Yeah, this is the episode where it debuts, isn't it? Where we first see the Maldalorian armor? I think it was the next episode. Let me double check. So, Ben, when you were excited about armor, I thought you were talking about the armor that Obi-Wan wears. Yes, there's two types of armor that come about in the season. I'm realizing right now that I think I think the, the armor comes back up in this, but I didn't talk about it last week when Obi-Wan was in the box. The armor he's wearing then and now was uh, concept art for Boba. Oh. oh. That's the next episode it comes in. I just did a quick scan of everything. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Because you have Vizsla, who uh, we forgot to mention is in possession of the Darksaber, which is sort of a symbolic passage of rule, like whoever has the Darksaber is the leader of Mandalore. Well, this is where we're introduced to the Darksaber. Correct. Yes. Um, Pre Vizsla explains its history to us, and how it was um, a lightsaber formed by a Mandalorian Jedi who made it, and then the Jedi kept it after his death, and then Mandalorians broke into the Jedi Temple to steal it back, I believe. Yes, I believe that all checks out. Uh, all of this explained by Pre Vizsla, who is voiced by John Favreau. Oh, oh, I did not know that. Yeah, there's some implied connection between Pre Vizsla, who is voiced by uh, John Favreau, and in The Mandalorian, the Mandalorian known as Heavy, who is also played by Jon Favreau. And since they what? have the same voice, I want to say that his name was Paz Vizsla, and it's implied that they are relatives. Interesting. But yeah, the armor you were excited about, Ben. The Darth Maul painted Darth Maul Death Watch armor is sick. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't get the, like, the added add-ons, I don't think, until Season 7? until later okay yeah it's just a color scheme change at this point it's the classic mandalorian in black and red which is very cool it's neat because like everything that we've seen is like blue and silver and yellow and silver like it's not been like intentional black and red yeah i guess that's a big signifier that like this is maul's army and i think that was like the cool part like darth maul has an army of well-trained mandalorians who can kill Jedi. And he is going to make himself a problem. You talk about it, and you realize how well this was written. Who else would Darth Maul go to than an army who's historically, specifically trained to fight and defend themselves against Jedi? Yeah. And he specifically knows, because he's so single-minded, he knows about Obi-Wan and Satine. Mm-hmm. He has he has learned about this, and as we get into the next episode, he's very intentional with his selection of targets because he wants to get to Kenobi. Mm-hmm. 
This brings us into episode 16, The Lawless. Maul proceeds to lure Obi-Wan Kenobi to Mandalore with the news of Satine's capture. Obi-Wan infiltrates Mandalore, but ends up captured himself. Maul murders Satine, but Obi-Wan is rescued by Bo-Katan, who is revealed to be Satine's sister, and her Death Watch faction, who trigger a civil war against Maul. Meanwhile, the takeover captures the attention of Darth Sidious, Maul's former master, who travels to Mandalore to take care of the rogue Sith brothers. In the Mandalorian throne room, Sidious kills Savage Press and takes Maul prisoner, hinting that he has something sinister for him in mind. This, what an episode this one is. For as much as we didn't like the D-Squad arc, this is one of the best arcs in Clone Wars. And this episode... There's so much in this episode. This is the episode we do see the Zabrak horns on the Mandalorian helmet. They show up here? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yep. This also uh, is where uh, Obi-Wan sneaks in wearing the old uh, Mandalorian armor that is concept art for Boba. And it gets captured by Maul, as it said, is literally forced on his knees to watch Maul kill Satine right in front of him. Because Maul doesn't just want to kill Kenobi, he wants to make him suffer as much as he did. But, like, Obi-Wan, you know, he tends not to be emotional, but you think this would break Obi-Wan and make Obi-Wan tap into a little bit of that dark side. But he doesn't. He holds out, because... He's Obi-Wan Kenobi. I know. I know Obi-Wan's the best of all of us. (laughs) If the Tatooine desert for 30 years can't break Obi-Wan. Well, that's fair. Well, we don't don't know. Obi-Wan could have got weird there. (laughs) He may have a little bit. We'll find out soon enough. We will. (laughs) He he got weird enough for Uncle Owen to be like, I don't like that weird old space wizard. (laughs) We'll point out that this episode is dedicated to Ian Abercrombie, who voiced Palpatine. Um, It's my understanding that he voiced Palpatine all the way up until this episode, and then he ended up passing away, sadly. He is a great voice actor. Uh, Mm -hmm. He's uh, uh, done a lot of other parts, too. But his passing, who can they get to step in? and fill the shoes and be Sidious, other than Tim Curry himself. Oh, gosh. And oh my god, is it good. So, murders Satine, Bo-Katan gets him out of there, so Obi-Wan gets away, and then we cut to a ship landing on a platform in the middle of the night, and these two... Mandalorians walk up to see who's coming in on this ship and all of a sudden they just get slammed back and pinned to a wall and they're choking on nothing and this mysterious figure in a big black hooded cloak just calmly walks by them with his hand up and then just drops them. We cut back to the throne room and Maul and Savage are just kind of hanging out and Maul feels Sidious's presence and instantly knows who it is and is like, oh, no, no, this is not good, this is not good. Tries to convince him that, oh, I I have built all of this in hopes of proving myself worthy to return to your side, and Sidious doesn't fall for it, and the lightsabers come out, and we get to see Darth Maul and Savage Press 
fighting full Sith Darth Sidious. Mm-hmm. He's throwing him around with the Force. He's choking people. His lightsaber skills are immaculate. They get some amazing visual and sound editing in on this as well. When he he's cackling the whole time, he's having the time of his life yeah. with these guys. He does this little move where he does like a double spin and then stabs both of his lightsabers backwards and up behind yeah. him. And Double impales Savage, and the sound design on that lightsaber spin and stab just has so much oomph to it. I don't know if they added something or if it's just the emotion of the scene, but there's such a bass tone to that. It's so cool. It's legitimately one of the best lightsaber fights, animated or live action, that you get to see. This ends with Savage Opress is dead. Maul begs for mercy. And Sidious, if I remember correctly, Sidious says there is no mercy. Um, Yeah. Yes. Says something to the extent of I have better plans for you. And the final shot is just Maul's horrified face. Have mercy. Please. Please. There is no mercy. Do not worry. I'm not going to kill you. I have other uses for you. I referenced it an episode or two ago. You never got an answer on what Sidious's we have better plans for you was. What ended up happening was after Disney canceled Clone Wars, uh, they sold some of their scripts off to be used as comic books and audio plays and uh, like actual books. And the story of what happened to Maul is in a comic book called Darth Maul, Son of Dathomir. And it goes to Maul is in a, like, torture chamber. Um, He gets rescued by Death Watch. Grievous shows up. Sidious shows up. Mother Talzin shows up. And there is just a bad guy off. Wow. Sidious, Grievous, Maul, Talzin, they all fight. And Maul just escapes. And Grievous and Palpatine are like, all right, well, let's finish this war. Ooh, okay, hold on. What if this heavily rumored, not at all official Darth Maul animated thing I was talking about at the beginning of the episode is that? Oh. It would be great. Oh, I've got goosebumps. If they went back and they they did Darth Maul, Son of Dathomir with the actual Clone Wars graphics, it'd be great. It'd be so good. Yeah, get the season seven production team. And if they want to do another Clone Wars movie, that would be a really cool way to do that. That or just hell, throw it into Bad Batch. Well, I guess you can't have Grievous in there if if we're post-Bad Batch, but... Eh, it doesn't really work. The person that I, I saw this from, he's a, a TikToker and YouTuber named Darth Chaco, and he's pretty popular, and he was asking, you know, what time period do you think they would set this in? What story do you think they would tell? That would be 
the best one in my opinion. That'd be pretty cool if they got it to to straight up have that four way fight. Talzin, Maul, Grievous, Sidious. Yeah, give it to me. And I I don't want to give everything away, but I remember that like Grievous gets thrown out a window at one point, and they're like, well, we all know that he doesn't have the force. But then, like, Machine Grievous is climbing back up the, the wall like a spider. But they're like, all right, let's start easy. They all just force Grievous out of a window. And he's like, no! Reverse Kool-Aid man's out of the... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Sorry, I just peaked my mic so hard because I wasn't ready for reverse Kool-Aid man. <laughs> oh, yeah! Oh, no! Oh, no! <laughs> so, yeah, this ends with a bit of a cliffhanger that never pays off if you only watch the media. But read Star Wars Son of Dathomir and you will see what Darth Sidious's better plans for Darth Maul are. Uh, but moving forward from there, just to kick you while you're still down, we have this final Ahsoka arc. And oh, yeah. it starts with an episode called Sabotage. After Ahsoka manages to rescue Anakin from certain peril on Kato Nemoidia, the two are called back to Coruscant from the front lines to investigate a terrorist bombing at the Jedi Temple. They have to give Ahsoka one more big heroic thing because she's come around so much as a character by this point. She was not very well liked in the beginning of this, and I, I think we touched on that. And yeah. it was very much on purpose. But yeah, she's a fan favorite by now. Everyone loves her. And bad things are about to happen to her. Mm-hmm. Someone blew up a bomb in a Jedi hangar, I believe. It was in a hangar in the Jedi Temple. Yeah. Blew up a bunch of gunships and transports and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's a whole mystery thing because you, the viewer, don't know who did it. But Ahsoka's being blamed for it, and there's Anakin trying to defend her, but all things point towards her, and there's this uh, this creepy little guy who is, like, there on behalf of the Republic. He's very much based on the classic Hollywood actor Peter Lorre, who you would know from, like, he's just always playing creepy parts, and he's got, like, little eyes and very big bags under his eyes. But in this, they use his kind of character archetype to be a, like, official Republic emergency response judge to determine who's guilty, who's not. And he comes in and he reviews the, uh, oh, the yeah, footage. Oh, yeah, I remember him. They, uh, they, they have, like, a droid survives it or something, and they're able to completely reassemble everything down. And it turns out that what blew up was a Jedi starfighter, I want to say. No, I think you're right. I think so. Yeah, and they're able to to tell what it is post-explosion. I want to point out, just because it's it's knowledge that I have, so I want to share it with everybody, that the, um, I believe it's these episodes, the investigator that you're talking about is voice acted by the same person who plays SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh gosh. <laughs> and he's That's funny. it obviously doesn't sound like SpongeBob at all, but it still has that like nasally whine to it that I now cannot unhear. Yeah. That's funny. The uh that guy voices ev- all sorts of stuff. He's everywhere. Yeah. So the next the next episode after that, uh we kind of got into it already, but the Jedi who knew too much 
Ahsoka, Ta- Ahsoka Tano is blamed for the murder of Leta Tormond, the key suspect in the bombing, and is detained by Admiral Tarkin. Despite Anakin's best efforts to exonerate her, she is forced to escape the military prison where she is interred and flee into the Coruscant underworld to find the actual perpetrator and prove her innocence. So, yeah, in this, uh, we've got Tarkin in here, which is always great. But doesn't she go to meet her and, like, she just dies or something? I don't remember the exact details, but it's along that line, yeah. She is just very unfortunately, circumstantially, in the same place as Termond when she dies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, she gets arrested, and Anakin is angry about that. And I believe we get a scene or two of Tarkin starting to touch that leash and being like, I understand that you're angry that your Padawan is a suspect right now, but she's been arrested by the Republic, and I'm the Republic, and you need to go back to the Jedi Temple. Yeah, another really cool development in the relationship between the two of them, although uh, not quite as amiable as the last one we saw. No. And I mean, we know where we end up with Tarkin and Vader. It's, as Leia says, a very short leash. And Vader doesn't really come into his own and start being, you know, evil, walking around, doing what he wants Vader, until Tarkin is taken out on the Death Star. It's true. But we got a, a little while before we get into that. True. We're not quite there yet. Is this the episode where we get a shot of Ahsoka's running and Anakin is on a gunship? Not trying to capture yeah. her, trying to convince her to stop running. And that's kind of where this episode yeah. ends. And that gunship is the first time we sort of start to see the uh like solar panel side wings from the tie fighters in the future yeah and that gunship also has a big like octagon glass window which Uh will end up being in the tie fighters as well that ship is cool and it's very much a precursor to all of the tie stuff that is a sinar fleet systems l-a-a-t-i-e patrol transport Mm -hmm. and it is it really does look like the body of the LAAT with a few tie panels on the front instead of the, uh, the the ball turrets and that. And yeah, the big octagonal glass window at the front, just like the look of a, uh, a tie fighter. So it's more of a, uh, it's not a frontline troop delivery ship like the LAAT we're used to seeing. It is more of a more of a police force vehicle than a military vehicle but it does it's where you first start to see as taylor said the tie solar panels stuck on that body and the octagonal glass front window like the classic tie fighter look yeah very cool ship i remember the first time i saw it i was like that's cool i I love it anytime the parts of star wars start to touch other parts of star wars if that makes sense yeah, the late yeah. Clone Wars is great for not so subtly nodding to the coming Empire, and you get to see where Palpatine was already putting these pieces in place. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah, that's the end of episode 18. Uh, episode 19, To Catch a Jedi. Uh, while on the run in the underworld of Coruscant, pursued by Republic authorities, Ahsoka makes a deal with Asajj Ventress to find out who the actual murderer of Leta Termund really is, 
leading the two to come to terms with each other in spite of their antagonistic pasts. However, will the real perpetrator's machinations cast such an alliance into doubt? I remember this is another episode where we find Asajj Ventress and we just feel for her because, again, at this point, she has lost all of her sisters. She has been betrayed by Dooku. She is cast out. She has no one. And she meets Ahsoka. And the, the next couple of things I'm going to say can be disregarded if you so choose. But when it comes to my straight white male opinion on like girl power moments, things like this work where they are both two characters that are like down and out deciding to help each other versus the Avengers girl power moments where they just have everybody run onto screen at the same time and high five each other did not work. This gives real context to the issues that they're, they're struggling through and they find, they, they form a bond through, they have both been cast out by their former peers and they cut a deal together to help each other. And I think it's important and I think it works in the way that you just described because they don't come out of this liking each other. Mm -mm. They are still fundamentally opposed, but they're both like, well, we were both used and, and then betrayed and then abandoned. So, you know, we can get each other out of this bad situation that we're in right now and then i don't ever want to see you again and then if we run into each other again well it's on (laughs) no but they get they get in a fight in in the episode like when they're done doesn't asajj get like knocked out and somebody takes her disguise and that somebody attacks ahsoka oh yeah we don't have the reveal of who that is yet but Right. Ahsoka thinks that Asajj has turned on her, and Asajj Ventress is, like, knocked out in an alley somewhere. True, true, true. I forgot. Which is also how our ultimate culprit, which we will reveal in the next episode, the final episode of the season, gets the red lightsabers so quickly. Oh, yeah. I I had forgotten about that detail. But So, yeah, Asajj Ventress makes a deal with Ahsoka. They, it works out for everybody. They're, they can move forward. Asajj Ventress walks off to an alleyway and gets knocked unconscious by an unknown assailant. Her costume is taken, and then she shows up and attacks Ahsoka. And Ahsoka is like, what the hell, bro? I thought we had a deal. And they fight for a while. And she gets the upper hand on Ahsoka, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. for the, the cliffhanger of this episode. Yeah. Which, d- I don't remember more, though past like is she captured is she stuck well she she purposefully the mysterious attacker that is purposefully uh sends the fight in such a direction that ahsoka gets caught by the republic yes because Mm. we we start the next episode with ahsoka being brought in front of the jedi council for their judgment yes so this episode is called the wrong jedi it is episode 20 the season finale of the fifth season of the clone wars uh, prosecution begins for Ahsoka in the High Courts after the Jedi Council expels her from the Jedi Order. As Padme fights to prove Ahsoka's innocence, Anakin finds the information to relieve Ahsoka of her charges and reveal the true culprit of the crimes to be Barris Offee. However, though cleared of all charges, Ahsoka is disillusioned by the turn of events and leaves the Jedi Order. The... The High Council really just doesn't listen to Ahsoka at all, Mm -mm. and it's kind of the peak of 
they they have this little tendency to just be like, okay, woman, sure, you're right, go sit in the corner. And this is where it's the most egregious. Yeah. Yeah. They pass their judgment. They full-on kick her out of the Jedi Order. You are no longer a Jedi. Um, Do they ask for her lightsabers back? I think so, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, they take them. And then Anakin shows this the i believe the anakin shows the senate is that correct the the, the high court is the actual yeah after the jedi do their creepy tribunal thing then they go to the republic high court for the official legal trial and that's where anakin comes in and he's like no it was barris the whole time but we we just skipped over the like sick fight he does with Barris. Oh, I wasn't like, going to let us go past that because that's another <laughs> amazing fight. I just watched it and I got goosebumps. The thing I love about that fight specifically, uh, Anakin has spent like this entire four episode arc in a panic because one of the very small handful of people that he really cares deeply about is being extremely negatively affected. So when the fight between him and Barris breaks out, they're like in the Jedi temple. She's got Asajj's red lightsabers. They're dueling it out. She did she throw him out the window. Yeah, because they end up in a courtyard where there's a bunch of younglings training, and you get the biggest dark side moment from Anakin. Uh-huh. They're fighting, and Offie is kind of getting it over on him. She's fully embraced the hate. She is full dark side. And she's kind of beating him. And then he just sort of has this a moment where he's had enough. And he uses the yeah. force to pin her to a tree and is just crushing her. But that's not before where he's doing full two-handed hate swings, basically. Like like baseball bat style. Yeah, because he has her pinned on the ground and does like two swings and then does his force push that you, you, you were talking about. The only thing I remember about this fight is that in the background with the younglings, the Jedi that is with them is that very elderly uh, Jedi with the white lightsaber that I talked about a couple of episodes ago. And he's just like, stay back, let him work it out. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tara Sanube. Yes. We love us Tara Sanube, but he does. He sees this fight happen and goes, oh, boy, that is, I'm not in that level. Right. Stay over here, children. And correct me if I'm wrong, Ben, since you just watched it, but doesn't that fight end? The only reason Anakin doesn't basically kill her on the spot is he, like, looks over and sees the other, like, the Jedi kids looking at him like, uh... No! It just ends with him, like, throwing her at the tree and then everybody walking forward. (laughs) (laughs) There's no, like, Anakin's, like, done. It's like, I'm taking you to court and we're going for justice. Okay, so he comes back a little bit, but it's... But, like, in the courtroom, he's like, tell... Like, he does, like, full hate, rage, Anakin voice, like, tell them. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, is he gonna punch her? And, like, (laughs) she's got... (laughs) She's got, like, four-arm guards, and he's like, it's not good enough. I have to beat the sense into you. He's mad. He's mad. He's got good reason to be. But, boy, do we see a whole lot of Vader in that fight. Yeah. And then, yeah, so she's not convicted. The Jedi ask her to invite her to come back to the Jedi Order. Uh, I think 
Yoda even says that this would count as her trial. So if she wants to come back, she would come back as a Jedi Knight. Mm-hmm. It's I don't think it's Yoda. I think it's either it's either Kiati Mundi or Mace Windu because Mace Windu says some bro shit <laughs> that's like yeah this was this was pretty hard but you persevered good job and she's just like no shut (laughs) up no i'm not doing that and anakin obviously is distraught about this but what's fun is if you watch that scene plo koon is there and while he has no lines he is also very upset and that's because plo koon was the jedi that found ahsoka and brought her into the jedi order uh if i'm not mistaken when ahsoka starts to leave anakin goes to run after her it's plo koon that stops anakin for a moment no Uh, obi-wan he stops obi-wan yes anakin runs to ahsoka to go talk to her and uh obi-wan starts to like try to stop anakin and plo koon puts his hand on obi-wan's shoulder and is like no let him go it's a very emotional scene and it was doubled at the time by all the news flying around about the show being canceled and mm-hmm. are we ever going to see what becomes of Ahsoka and all this kind of stuff which I mean obviously we know now that we do but in 2013 we had no idea what was going to happen they just dropped oh, man. it wasn't a cliffhanger they dropped us off the cliff they did and Anakin was like I want to walk away from the order too you have no idea so much came out in the last three minutes of that episode i don't think ahsoka is in season six i don't think so either i think season seven was her season her return season yeah the last time we see ahsoka is here and she is walking off into the sunset uh she is no longer a jedi she is giving that up and that is that episode aired on march 2nd 2013 sheesh The next time we see her in the Clone Wars is February 21st, 2020. Uh And it's not even in the first episode. We don't see her again until like the fifth episode of that, I think. Yeah. 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 So you go seven years without this character. Oh, gosh. I remember (laughs) I remember at Comic-Con they teased that she was back and everybody freaked. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's an amazing character. I mean, hats off to the fans on this one, because I think it really is due to the fans. Disney yeah. bought Star Wars and knew what they wanted to do with it. And the fans were like, that's great. That's nice. Bring Clone Wars back. And they did. Clone Wars came back and we got Ahsoka back and all of that. And I don't think it was in Disney's original plan to do that. So hats off to the fans that made that happen. I, I will say uh, uh, with a small disclaimer so to, to to limit the toxicity of this statement, no artist ever owes an audience anything, no matter how popular their work is. If they had decided to just never do Clone Wars again, that is perfectly right, and they can do that. That's a preface to what I'm about to say. They owed us an ending to that story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we as close as you can ever get to owing your audience something, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. And they paid off. I mean, they took their time, but when we saw her again, it was very worth the wait. Mm-hmm. And that's season five. That is indeed. That is season five. We're, we're trucking right along through the Clone Wars. Uh, season six, the Lost episodes, will be next week. 
uh, let's move right into the question of the week. Our question of the week got a little screwy. We skipped some. We went back to some. We're going to read the question of the week from September 29th. <laughs> uh, That's our bad. Yeah, it's it's been a little while. <laughs> um, if you could personally own one droid from the Star Wars universe, what kind would it be? Hmm. I mean, I'll go first. I I want an astromech. Which kind? Specifically because of our little, uh, the the RPG that we played together. I want an R9 <laughs> unit. <laughs> Aaron is someone who is very knowledgeable about Star Wars. Because of this, he was invited to one of my Star Wars RPGs. He's, he found a astromech that he could bring with him. I had just written that in my notes. I did not write write what kind of astromech aaron says what kind of astromech and i said uh and he says hey i've got a d10 let me roll for it and i was like sure he rolls a nine which happens to be the the brand new spanking la- latest most yeah, top tier can do everything astromech and he he gets that in our rpg so and then leaves it on the ship and never brings it with him. <laughs> well, you kind of it made me a little bit because it's like, well, okay, you can't have this uh, Deus Ex Machina thing. droid following you around. <laughs> your droid flies off of your ship, lands on their ship, and depowers it. <laughs> he also uh, releases all of the oxygen. Everyone on that ship is dead. All right, Chopper. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah. But yeah, that's my answer. I would love to have an R9 astromech, uh, and I would 100% do the Anakin where he never wipes R2's memory. So I would just have a snarky little buddy. I like it. So in the real world, I have a goal for my personal self of eventually owning a 3D printer. I don't have one at the moment, but I want to 3D print a full-sized one-to-one scale battle droid. Because hmm. I want a, a life-size battle droid just hanging out around my house that I can put on my porch and, like, do the concrete goose thing with. I want, like, oh, a gosh. Christmas costume and a Halloween costume and, like, a Fourth <laughs> of July costume for my porch battle droid. That's, that's something I want in the real world. If I could have a functional droid from Star Wars, gosh, it is hard to say. I'm thinking a protocol droid because C-3PO was always one of my favorite characters growing up and the idea of having just a humanoid butler sounds fun. It is probably the more practical choice. Mm-hmm. Bring him out to the bars with me. I'll, uh, I'll get to the point where I can't speak anymore and he can translate for me. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Ben? I realized what my answer was from back then because I was like, I had a really unique answer, but it's also an astromech, but not just any astromech. The astromech with the arms and legs, like the fairy droid from the Mandalorian. It's like buff R2, and I friggin' love it. Oh, the fairy droid. Yeah, Yeah. that's a custom unit with the the fairy droid with the arms and the legs. Yeah, Yeah, when you first see it, it just looks like an R2 unit locked into this little speeder, and then it just stands up all of a sudden. (laughs) You're like, oh dear lord, totally want that. I want someone who can help me out and also defend me, because then someone's like, hey, you know, it's just like, we're here to rob you. And I'm like, think again, get him. Your little trash can rolling behind you just... Uh-huh. 
that's essentially what uh, L3 was from Solo. Uh, she started out as an astromech that started piecing herself together with other droid parts and eventually oh, became yeah, that's right. who L3 was. Oh, but uh, yeah, that that fairy droid is a lot cooler pushing the boat down the lava pit. I don't know if I don't know if they're cooler than L3. I'll take that back because L3 is pretty badass herself. That's true. Oh, she's awesome. Uh, it, it would be cool to go back and see some high High Republic movie where a basic astromech gets knocked over by someone and has an angry look, and suddenly that is the very beginning of L3. Like, man, I want legs. This is crap. (laughs) Which is also the very beginning of the Millennium Falcon's internal systems. Mm -hmm. True. Uh, Well, that's, I don't know about you guys, but that's just about everything I've got to say this evening. Same. I think we are set for season five for this episode. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, tune in next week to hear us talk about episode, or I'm sorry, season six uh, of The Clone Wars. The Lost Season uh, is the title of that, and uh, we'll see you then. Uh, Remember to subscribe to our podcast uh, wherever you listen to it. Uh, Tell your friends, hey, we we know this great Star Wars podcast. It's it's not this one, but, you know, tell them that it is. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And uh, we'd we'd appreciate if you talk to us on social media as well. Talk to us on Facebook. Uh, talk to us on reddit um aaron do you have the tiktok running you know i will is that a thing or is that not a thing it it, it, i've got the page but i have not posted any videos on it yet so if you want to wander over to carbon scoring pod at some point i will start recording videos for this (laughs) cool i have a whole bunch of concepts in my in my saved that i haven't actually done yet nice for all of us here at carbon scoring We appreciate you listening. We appreciate you sharing our podcast. We appreciate you subscribing. We appreciate you. Thanks for being here because as much as we love talking about Star Wars, it's you, the listeners, listening to our episodes that keep us coming back to the recording booth. Because apparently you like listening to us talk about Star Wars, and that's something we love to do. I don't have anything else, so unless anybody else does, remember, the Force will be with you, always. Commence primary ignition. Carbon Scoring is a podcast created by Taylor Davis, Ben Mackey, and Aaron Robertson. Special thanks to Nick Parker, a.k.a. Later Hands, for our opening music, and special thanks to August Reed, who created our banner image. Come talk with us by joining our Facebook group, Carbon Scoring, or following us on Reddit at rcarbonscoring. You can also email us directly at carbonscoringpod at gmail.com. That's C-A-R-B-O-N. S-C-O-R-I-N-G-P-O-D at gmail.com. Star Wars was created by George Lucas, its music by John Williams, and is owned by the Walt Disney Company.